That's what we're here for. Uh, I told somebody this week, uh, our church is made up of a lot of folks that are just broken, uh, had difficulty come, and, and God put them back together and is healing them and is helping them go out and help other folks that are broken. And so I count it a privilege to do that. That's what we're all about. And uh, so God, when Brother Malcolm asked me yesterday to do the lesson tonight, uh, immediately uh, I thought about this topic and went to Philippians chapter 4. And so we're going to talk here in just a few minutes on the secrets to contentment. Uh, a lot of those folks asked me, Brother Chris, why is this happening in my life? Why is God allowing this to happen? In other words, there was a lot of uncertainty. And I could stand here before you tonight with a surety and tell you that no matter what's happening in your life, God is on the throne and God is in control. And uh, my wife sings a song that I love uh, to hear. And I'm going to ask her if she will to step up and sing that tonight. And listen, everything that's sung tonight, everything it said, uh, we want it to help you. So you listen to the words of this song, and I trust it'll be a blessing to you. Sometimes we can't see how they could Struggles that break our hearts into Sometimes blind us to the truth Our Father knows what's best for us And His way are not our own so when your pathway grows dim and you just can't see him remember you're never alone and God is too wise to be mistaken God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, and when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. our future in his hands so don't live as those who have no hope all our hope is found in him see we see the present clearly oh 
like a tapestry he's weaving you and me to someday be just like him and God is too wise to be mistaken and God is too to be unkind so when you don't understand when you don't see his plan when you can't trace his hand trust his heart for he alone is faithful and true and he alone knows what is best for you God is too wise to be mistaken and God is too good to be unkind so when you don't understand when you don't see his plan when you can't trace his hand trust his heart When you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart, trust his heart. so much. Uh, it's good to know that truth can be sung also, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. We'll read uh, from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is probably one of my favorite books in the New Testament. Uh, the theme of the, of the book is joy. And uh, the key to the joy, having a Christian joy, is having your mind right. And throughout the whole uh, the book of Philippians, uh, it speaks often about our mind and how that it should be on the things of God and the things that are good, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are true. Think on these things. And a lot of times our mind uh, will play tricks on us. Our feelings will get us in trouble. And uh, tonight we're going to learn just a few things on how to just be content and what God's doing in our life. We'll be reading in verse 10 uh, in chapter 4 of Philippians. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last of your care of me hath flourished again, and wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Aren't you glad of that tonight? Amen. 
Verse 14 says, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia church, ye communicated with me as concerning giving, and I'm sorry, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that you may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Verse 20 says, Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Brother Johnny Lawrence, if you will, pray for us tonight and ask God's blessing. Amen. You may be seated. Secret of contentment. Contentment is not complacency. Just sit back and let things happen. Nor is it a false peace based on ignorance. You see, a complacent believer is unconcerned about others. While a content Christian wants to share his blessings. Contentment is not escape from the battle, and many of you are in that tonight, and I want you to, to understand this, but it's rather an abiding peace and confidence in the midst of the battle. Amen. Paul did not have an easy life, and Paul did not have everything hunky-dory and roses, and, and, and man, Paul went through a lot of things in his short lifetime, but uh, he said, I learned. I learned to be content. And learning sometimes is a process in our life. And I promise you tonight, every one of us in this church tonight, every Christian here tonight, we can learn how to be content when we realize the resources that are found in these verses. There's some amazing resources in God's Word. I talk a lot of times in our recovery program about the principles of God's Word. There are conditions laid out that if we follow those principles then God will fulfill his end of the bargain. But there's also some resources we can just go to in that time of need, that time of struggle, and we can just draw on God's resources. Amen. And one of the things uh, I want you to understand tonight is the resources you have is the overruling providence of God. The overruling providence of God. You see, a lot of folks think that life just happens. That things are going on and whatever happens, happens. Whatever comes up, comes up. Whatever goes down, goes down. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God has a plan in each and every life and he will overrule and his providence will reign supreme in our life. We look at verse number 10, the first verse that we read. Uh, Paul says to the church there at Philippi, he says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, 
that now in the last of your care of me has flourished again. What does that mean? That means it's flourished before also. Paul is simply saying, hey guys, you've been good to me, and once again, you're being good to me. And last of your care of me is first again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. I read that verse and I wondered what was so special about the church at Philippi. And I began to look back in Paul's life and research the church, and I found out that there was some sweet people in Paul's past that were members of the church at Philippi. You see, Philippi, and I'll give you just a little bit of history, lay a little bit of groundwork. Philippi was a city that was on a main trade route, and when the Romans were trying to come in and conquer this particular area, the Macedonians controlled it. And they were not, uh, believe it or not, they preferred the Romans over the Macedonians. But before the army could get to Philippi, they ran out of money to pay the Roman soldiers. Does anybody here know how they paid the Roman soldiers? If you know, Brother Johnny will take you out to supper tonight. Anybody? They paid the Roman soldiers with salt. I'm actually rich. I got some salt at the house. Hey, hallelujah. They paid the Roman soldiers with salt. Well, they ran out of salt. I don't know why they used that for currency. But before they got to Philippi, they ran out. And so the people at Philippi said, hey, we want to be under Roman control. So they took up all the salt of the city, went out and paid the soldiers to take them over. Go figure. I'm talking about the providence of God. So the Romans came in and took over the city of Philippi. And on Paul's first missionary journey, he happened through Philippi. Him and Silas got put in jail. Y'all remember that story? The first time Jailhouse Rock was sung, amen? And as they sang in the midnight hour, the jail shook and it opened up and they came out and the jailer was about to kill himself. And he said, don't harm yourself. So we're all here. And it stunned the jailer so much. It was such a testimony to him that he got saved that night. And I believe it says all of his family. And then there was a businesswoman named Lydia that came through. And she was deep into Judaism. And uh, that was the religion of, of her day. And I mean, she was all immersed in that. But she began to listen to Paul teach. And boy, God dealt with her heart and Lydia got saved and was a prominent businesswoman. As they were going to Lydia's house that evening, they came across a, a soothsayer, a, a young girl that was basically using uh, witchcraft to tell people their fortune and was making money for her master. And even the devils that were in her said, he serves the true and living God. And Paul cast the demon out of her life and she got, got saved and all three of these people that I mentioned were members of the church at Philippi. You see, God, Paul had a great impact in their life on his first journey. But now Paul is actually in Rome in prison, and he's needing help from the very ones that he helped in the past. You see, you never know when we're walking through life the people that we meet, the people that we come in contact with, what kind of an influence you and I can have on them. 
what kind of leadership God's going to put in our life to where we're a part of his providence in their life. I looked up that word providence. Some of you may be trying to wonder what that means. I, I didn't know either. I had to look it up. But the word pro means before. It's Latin or Greek for before. The word, the last part of providence means video. I guess that's where we get our word video. And it, see, it says to see to. So if you put the word together, it's simply to see to beforehand. Isn't that cool? You see, a lot of times we as Christians say, oh, God, he knows the future. And he does. Oh, God sees the future, and he does. But it tickled me to death when I realized not only does he know it, not only does he see it, but he's actually in our tomorrow preparing that way for you and I. Amen. I got happy at my house about that. Because there's times in my life where I don't, I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm worried at what next week holds. But it's glory to me to know that Hallelujah, he's up there in my tomorrow. He's up there in my next week preparing the way for me. Amen. Dear friend, I don't know what you came in with tonight. I don't know what's facing you tomorrow. But I can't tell you this, he's already there working on your behalf. Isaiah chapter 45. Y'all pray for me, I'm losing my voice. I've been fighting this mess all day. Isaiah 45 says, Thus saith the Lord, to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him. I will loose the loins of the kings to open before him the two levied gates, and the gates shall not be shut. He said, I'll open them up, and I'll weld the hinges where you can't shut them. He said, I will go before thee. I will make a crooked place straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass. I will cut in sunder the bars of iron. I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Why, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call me by thy, by thy name, am the God of Israel. Listen, you can rely on the resource of God's overruling providence. Whatever's going on in your life today, you can know that he's out in your tomorrow. He's kicking the gates open in your life. He's taking that crooked place that you can't see around the corner and he's straightening it out for you. And when you need substance in your life, you can just reach over in those dark places and God will have it there for you. Amen. He'll have secret riches supplied for you no matter what's going on in your life. He can sustain you. He's working in your tomorrow. I remember... Uh, I don't know how many years it's been. It don't really matter. But I remember the first time I saw Brother Doyle. I'm here tonight. Y'all can blame it on Doyle, okay? We were, my wife and I, we were at Bible College out at Victory. And uh, we were going through what we're about to go through. We, the, the auditorium was longer and they had tore out the wall. And there was black plastic hanging down. We were getting ready to flip the building is what we're talking about doing. And uh, Brother Doyle, I'd already been there a semester. He'd come in, and he'd come down the aisle carrying his guitar. And those days, you didn't see Doyle without a guitar. 
And he come in, walked down the aisle, and I went up to him, introduced myself. I could just tell that he and I would probably hit it off. And sure enough, we became good friends in Bible college. And he told us one January or February, I believe it was, he said, hey, he said, let's go home. We're going back to Florida for uh, homecoming, or, or uh, I forget what they called it, something like homecoming. And he said, why don't you and, and Miss Kathy go with us? I said, that'll be fine. He said, we're going to pick up a guy in Barnwell on our way down. said, it's our pastor's son. And said, you'll get to meet him. And I had met Brother Malcolm. He had come and preached chapel, but I really didn't know him. Uh, probably never talked to him. I don't remember. But we got in the van, and we're going down the road. We pick up this guy in Barnwell, South Carolina, and it's Brother Malcolm. And he gets in the car, and I think we were driving all night. It was late. And the, the wives and the kids were in the back trying to sleep. And Brother Malcolm was sitting in the front seat. And I think Doyle's driving. And I'm sitting in the middle with my head up between them just listening. Because he was doing what he always does. And y'all know what that is, right? He's always teaching, preaching, or something. And all the way to Florida, about a 10-hour trip, I heard everything about Brother Malcolm. And what his plan, I mean, man, he was just, casting vision and this is in Barnwell, South Carolina we got down to Florida spent uh, two or three days there at the church he preached, I preached, Doyle preached we just had a good time and then rode all the way back listening and we just struck up a friendship and we loved them so much when they came over here we would go home to Chattanooga and take the long way around come by and visit Temple Baptist and we'd walk in the end of the little building down there, and it was so small that his office was the first door you came to where the Coke machine sits now. And we'd come in and be a part of the service, and then we'd leave, go home. Every chance we got, we'd come by, visit Temple. You know, way out of the way, but we called it on the way to Chattanooga. I never will forget, he took us to Denny's uh, one Sunday afternoon or Sunday night, and on a napkin. I don't know what it is with preachers and napkins and restaurants, but he drew out what God was showing him at Temple Baptist. And he said, Chris, I want you to be a part of it. Now, I'm, I'm a Georgia boy living in South Carolina thinking God's calling me to Mexico. And that's where I wanted to go, but God wouldn't let me. And I said, Brother Michael, we'll pray about it, but I don't know. And it took us about six months, and we finally said, you know, that's where God wants us to be. And we moved over here about nine years ago, this coming June, and got involved at Temple Baptist. And I can honestly tell you, it's probably one of the greatest decisions that we've ever made. Has there been ups and downs? Absolutely. That's part of life. But boy, I can look back in my past and see how God just maneuvered things. He put people in my path and put situations in my path that guided and directed me right where I need to be. Amen. Dear friend, tonight, I don't know what you've been through. I sure don't know what you're going through. But I do, do know who holds tomorrow. Amen. I do know who's before you making the way straight. I wonder tonight, are you trusting in the providence of God? Are you trusting and knowing that he's preparing a way for you? That's a resource you can have and it'll help you to be content. 
conscience. Not only do we see the overruling providence of God, but we see the unfailing power of God. The unfailing power of God. Verse 11 down through verse 13. says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. Key word, learn. In whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed. Another key word. Both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. The unfailing power of God. See, Paul wasn't complaining to his friends when he said, I, I, not that I speak in respect of woe. Hey, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining here. I'm very happy in the condition. I mean, he's in jail. Now, did I mention that? He's in jail for who knows how many times so far. Been beaten, been stoned. And he said, I'm happy. Why? Because I have learned to be content. You see, we can learn of God's power. We can learn of God's power. Learn and instruct are very similar words, but there's just enough difference in them to warrant study. The word learn means to learn by experience. Paul's spiritual contentment was not something that he immediately had after he was saved. It took him to learn it through a series of events. I think a lot of times when I imagine the word learning, I envision a teacher standing before a class and she's writing on the board and teaching the children what they need to know. And they're not completely involved in everything that's going on, but they must be involved in what's going on. And there's a lot of times in our life where we see God's power working in our life and in other people's lives and we read about it in God's word how that he performed great miracles and we, we learn about his power. But the word instruct is even more intense. The word instruct, we live by God's power. We learn of God's power but we live by God's power. The word instruct Instruct in Philippians 4.12 is a little bit different than learned in Philippians 4.11. Instruct means to be initiated into. This word was used by pagan religions in references to their inner secrets. Through trials and testings, they would initiate, instruct people into whatever you fill in the blank. Paul said, there's some things that I have learned by seeing, by experiencing a little bit. But boy, there's some things that I have been instructed in. In other words, I had some hands-on. It happened right in my lap. And so often we take those things that, that almost break us, that almost tear us apart, and we don't learn from it. We don't get instruction from it. And it seems like when we don't learn and we don't get instruction from it, it repeats itself over 
and over. What's God trying to do? He's trying to show his power in your life. And he's trying to teach you some things. It's just up to you and I to receive it. Some of the greatest lessons I learned in my life hurt me the most or cost me the most. And we could all probably say that, right? And then the, the verse 13. Verse 13 is a battle cry, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <coughs> so often we see an insurmountable task before us. This building campaign, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I've got a difficult thing ahead of me, a job to do. Wow, this I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But what that verse really means is I can do all. Say that with me. All. All things. What's Paul saying? When I learn to be abound and abased, I can handle both because Christ's power is within me. When I'm hungry, guess what? His power is within me. When I'm full, it's still working in me. When things are going great, God's power is still sufficient for the day. When things are going wrong, God is still all-powerful. It's a resource that you and I can rely on. And I promise you, when we start relying on God's resources and His power, content. All hell breaking loose around us, but we're content. Nothing's going right, but we're content. Kids are acting crazy, but we're content. I just hit somebody's nerve right there. I just felt. If you've got more than one, one of them's going crazy at all times. Amen. Can I get a witness? But when we're, when we have learned, when we've been instructed, wow, that verse 13 makes all the difference in the world. I could go through life knowing I could do it all by his power. We, uh, Coleman Christian, where my wife teaches and uh, two of my children go to school, had a fundraiser here recently at uh, the airport. And uh, one of the, the fundraising ideas was to let everybody pay $20 that wanted to, and you could go up in an airplane, fly over Coleman and, and back. And uh, the kids had never flown before, so uh, I paid $20 for all of us to ride in an airplane. And... Uh, uh, the planes ain't very big over at the airport. And, uh, I is, you know. So I was a little bit nervous about it, but we were assured that it could handle me. And, uh, well, I was trusting in the Lord. We got uh, paid, got our ticket, and went out to the runway and opened the door on the airplane. And in there sat a high school senior that I helped coach softball, what, two or three years ago. Hey, Coach O'Neill. Oh, my goodness. And she just probably ain't been driving a year, maybe two, and now she's piloting a plane. Oh, 
Yes. I got right three times before we took off. But we got up in the airplane, and she did a wonderful job. Uh, I mean, one of the smoothest takeoffs, everything. She did a great job. But we got up, and uh, I've always wanted to fly. Uh, just one of those things. I just can't afford to, to take the lessons. So I got to talk to her about, you know, how she became a pilot and all the different things. And we had flown out to Smith Lake. And uh, before we got there, we were probably actually over uh, Walmart distribution. And we had been talking the whole way. And she said, well, she was teaching me all the gauges. And she was just telling me everything about the airplane, how it worked and all this. And I was learning some of what was going on. And then she took her hands off the wheel and said, you fly it. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I grabbed hold of the steering wheel. And I'm like, okay. I know to keep that dial this away, this one that away, and this one that away. So I'm looking at dials and looking at the, the, the horizon and everything that she had tried to teach me up to this point. But now I went from learning to instructing. I'm on the deal. And there's two pedals, and I mean, you got to turn and push. And I, it, it's, a, it's an ordeal to fly an airplane. But I'm okay because she just had it leveled off. Then she said, Mr. O'Neill, if you will turn it left and push with the right or left, I don't remember what she said, but if you will bank it around and aim for that red water tire, which is in Vinemont. And I'm like, well, how hard can it be? So I turn and I'm pushing, and I'm going down, not turning. <laughs> and, all kind of, and my kids are in the back. My wife's in the back. I got precious cargo. And I'm trying, and I'm trying to be cool. I'm trying to stay calm. But I had to finally just say, you're going to have to take it. Yeah. Why? I was learning a little bit. I went through some hands-on instruction, but I needed to, the one that knew, the one that had the capabilities to actually level the thing off. I needed the one that knew exactly what to do to be in control of our lives. Amen. Sure enough, she grabbed hold, a few pushes and turns, and... We were leveled off head for the water tower. Come in, landed just as pretty as you please. Probably the smoothest landing I've ever been in. An 18-year-old kid done a wonderful job. What am I saying? I had to rely on her because she knew. I learned a little bit. I went through some instruction, but it was ultimately up to her power. Dear friend, tonight you'll go through some learning processes in your life. And you'll go through some instruction in your life, but you must rely on the power of God to work through all of it. Are you doing that tonight? Because I promise you, if you're not, contentment is not in your vocabulary. It's not there. Because the most stressful time of my life is when I got the wheel. The most stressful time in my life when I'm trying to power the thing. Trust in Him. Amen. Aren't you glad of that tonight? Amen. The resources that we have. We also see the unchanging promises of God. The unchanging promises of God. 
verse 14. I like this. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. That word communicate means to fellowship with. It's amazing when you study God's word and, and just really dig it out. How I mean, it's just cool. In other words, y'all fellowship with my affliction. That means rubbed elbows with it. You got involved in my affliction. Something I like about this church, and, and if you're not a member here and it's your first time, we're not trying to be braggish, but I, people around here will fellowship with your affliction and try to help you, and I appreciate that so much. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. They were the only church that took care of Brother Paul. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. And here's the key. He said, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul just likes seeing the maturity in them. Verse 18, but I have all and abound and am full in receiving of Aphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And because of all of those things that they did for him, he said this, he said, But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, we can reach to that resource of God's unchanging promises. When you're in that time of discontentment and, and difficulty and trials in your life and, and you, you call on the resources on God's unruling providence in your life. And you know God's in control and you rely on God's power in your life. You'll start seeing God's promises becoming prevalent in your life. And he lists a few things here in these verses. One was about we have a promise of fruit in our life. We have a promise of fruit in our life. In verse 10, it says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now in the last of your care of me hath flourished. The word flourished is a, a, a gardening term or a horticulture term. It means budding out or blooming or producing fruit. Uh, that's about the only time you see or hear the word flourish is when the plants are flourishing. The apple trees are flourishing because they're putting out fruit. The, the flowers are blooming. They're flourishing. And then again in verse uh, 17, I believe it was. Now because, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit. Paul said, church at Philippi, I appreciate the gift. I appreciate you fellowshipping with my affliction. But remembering when I went back and I established a church and some of you got saved under my ministry and man, you went through difficulties, problems and you grew from it, you learned from it and now I'm seeing fruit in your life. 
I'm seeing God take you and use you in ways you probably never thought imaginable. And as they went through all the difficulties in their life and blooms start popping out in their life. Fruit out on the branches. And what they were had been taken in, now they're giving out. You can rest tonight in the resource knowing that when God's working in your life and you're allowing him to, fruit can't help but pop out. Um, I I do construction work. Uh, Normally I just paint, but here lately, the name of my company is Painting and More. People ask me what the more is. I say, what do you need? That's what we do. And we've got several jobs that are not painting, but just doing general construction work. And uh, one of my guys that works for me does a great job and uh, interacts with the homeowner that comes through uh, about two or three times a week. And I went one Friday to get a check. Always, I used to love Fridays because it's payday. Now I hate Fridays because it's payday. I have to pay everybody, but I do get a little bit. And so I went to pick up a check, and I'm sitting at his desk in front of his desk, and he's writing a check out. And he stops halfway through. And that's not necessarily usually a good thing when they stop. I want him to finish it out. And he's just stopped and he looked up at me. And he called the guy's name and he said, you know, he's a pretty good fella, ain't he? I said, yes, sir, he sure is. He said, there's just something about him that's just different. Now, he don't quote scripture at, ch- at, at work. He don't sing hymns at work. He's just content in what God's done in his life. And it can't help but pop out. Fruit. You have a promise tonight that God will produce fruit in your life. Not only do we see fruit, but we will have the promise of an investment in heaven. In verse 17, it says, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Everything that we do, we may not see the benefits of it down here. But one day we're going to get to heaven. We're going to stand before God. And he's going to give us rewards based on the works that we have done. And thankfully we can take those crowns and we can lay them at his feet and worship him for the endless ages But bottom line is you and I are investing right now in heaven. I think it is Matthew chapter 6. It says, Lay not up yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust is corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust is corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your heart at tonight? I could probably take your checkbook if you would so let me and I could look down through it and I could tell you where your heart's at. I can watch you for a few days and watch where you go and what you do. I can tell you where your heart's at. I can listen to you talk for just a little while and I can probably tell you where your heart is. Because where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. 
there's a lot of things that I probably won't have. I don't have a retirement fund, shame on me. I don't have much of a savings. Oh, woe is me. But I hope when I get to heaven, I want to see my account. And it's going to be lacking, I'll promise you that. It's going to be lacking. But I want there to be something there that I can say, God, I, I tried. I did a, a good job. What about you tonight? Not only do we have a promise of an investment in heaven, but we have the promise that our sacrifice will be rewarded. Look at verse 18. I like this. He says, but I have all and abound. I am full receiving of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. I can just imagine Paul sitting there in jail and Ephroditus, one of the men of the church, had traveled all the way to Rome to bring him the gifts from the church. And it's very possible, I don't know, I'm just imagining a little bit, that it might have been wrapped up in some purple cloth from Lydia. And there's probably some things in there that that Roman jailer had made that Paul might have need, needed, maybe bought him a pair of shoes, I don't know. And it's quite possible that the, the little girl that Paul had helped and been instrumental in the devils being cast out and her being saved, there might have been a special note in there that might have said, Brother Paul, thank you for sacrificing for me. And I can just imagine Paul as he opened it up and he began to look at it. It said it was a sweet odor. And it just overrun his heart and his life. Knowing that what I put in, my sacrifice of going to prison and all of the things that happened to me on my first missionary journey, it's coming back. And now what I sacrificed for is now sacrificing for me. Dear friend, tonight, there's a lot of times that I don't want to minister. And there's a lot of times you don't want to minister. How many of you ladies just can't wait to get to the nursery? If a hand goes up, y'all crazy. But you sacrifice your time. And you go back there and you do what you do so that somebody out here can get what they get. My son worked this past Sunday in the three-year-olds. Yeah, he come out and he said, Dad, I was in the three-year-olds. He sacrificed. I was proud of him. But he did that so that somebody else out here, a mom or a daddy that may not otherwise have heard the gospel got to hear it. We're in a building campaign or a faith in action campaign. And uh, God's going to ask some of us to sacrifice here in the next few weeks. And I hope and pray that you follow God's leadership. And that no matter what the amount is or whatever it is God tells you to do, do it. Because that sacrifice will be paid back tenfold. 
I was thinking today, I have a, a number in my mind, and my wife and I haven't talked it over yet, but it's going to be a sacrifice. And I could, you know, I was thinking about it, and I thought, whoa, I don't know about that. You know, I've got this to pay for and that to pay for, and I don't know. But God just took me to about this area right here. And if I'll do what I should do, and if we'll all do what we should do, what God tells us to do, possibly a year from now, this won't be here. It'll be over there. And if I'll do what God wants me to do, and I'll sacrifice, it's very possible that there'll be a lost person sitting in a chair right about here, hearing the gospel, as Brother Michael preaches, somewhere over there. Where you're sitting tonight, you probably could turn that chair just a little bit and envision a lost person sitting there hearing Brother Malcolm preach over there. You might give sacrificially to the mission fund and never see a little child in Mexico, Africa, wherever get saved. But I promise you, your sacrifice will be worth it. We have the promise of our sacrifices will be rewarded. And then lastly, we have a promise that our needs will be supplied. Paul told the church at Philippi, he said, hey, he said, all of these things you've done for me, I want you to know this, but my God, he's going to supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Boy, I'm glad tonight that my earthly father, he's limited on what he can do for me. But I'm glad tonight that I have a heavenly father that is limitless on what he could do for me. And boy, if we'll just tap into the resource of God's unchanging promises, he will supply all of your needs according to his riches. We had a, a lady that went with us, I, actually I was in Mexico and she came down on another group. She was about 80 years old and normally because of the heat and the, the difficulty down there, uh, we don't recommend people of that age because it gets 115 degrees and uh, we're worried about their health. But to be honest about it, she's probably the toughest one down there. And uh, she came and spent the summer and or spent a week with us and she really didn't she cleaned the kitchen. She was great about I mean, she worked hard. But as far as in the villages, she didn't do a whole lot because she didn't speak the language. She wasn't involved in the skits. She just kind of stood to the side. And she came home. She lives in Dalton, Georgia. And she was a greeter at Walmart. And uh, she was doing her thing one afternoon, and two Mexican boys walked in. And one of them grabbed the other one. He started jabbering to him. And he was talking back. And they were just da, 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 pointing at her. And da, da, made her scared. She's a little unnerved by it. And she's like, what in the world is going on? And finally they walked up to her. And the one that uh, grabbed the other one was telling him. And he knew English. So he was telling her. And he said, uh, my friend here, he knows you. And she said, son, I, I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't think I know him. She, he said, no, ma'am, he's adamant. He knows who you are. And she said, son, I, I don't, nothing against 
Spanish people, but I don't, I don't have any friends. I don't know anybody. He said, yes, ma'am. Said he, he knows you. Said he saw you at a village up in the mountains in Mexico. He said, you came with a bunch of gringos, a bunch of white people to our village a little over a year ago. And he said, I didn't understand everything that's going on, but I watched you the whole time that the little meeting went on. And he said, there was something about your smile or something about your countenance that just made me want what you had. And he said, I met you the same night that I met Jesus. And that lady told us that she said, you know, I've sacrificed to be able to come on this trip. And I, I, I worked hard, but I didn't think I would be of any use. But just the smile on her face made an impact on somebody's life thousands of miles away. Isn't it wonderful to know tonight that whatever we do, God will reward us. I wonder tonight, what does your account in heaven look like? So often we're discontent because of situations going on in our life. But we can have contentment when we rely on what God has for us. And here's the question that I want to leave you with tonight. Are you a thermometer Christian or a thermostat Christian? Are you a thermometer Christian or a thermostat Christian? You see, a thermometer is influenced by its surroundings. It reads whatever's going on around it. If it's hot outside, it's 100 degrees. That's what controls it. But a thermostat is controlled by what's inside of it. A lot of us were discontent because we're letting the outside elements dictate how we feel. When we should be relying on Christ that is within us, dictating to the world how we feel. Which are you tonight? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us, your mercies on us. Lord, we thank you for this word tonight. Lord, I thank you for strength and health to do it. Lord, I pray that something was said, something was sung tonight that will help each and every person as we go out the doors to be a better Christian for you. Lord, as we go home tonight, we go to our places of work tomorrow, we intermingle with people, Lord, we'll rely on your resources and not the resources of the world. God, I pray tonight that Temple Baptist, that every home represented here in this place will impact Coleman County. Lord, will impact Alabama. Lord, will impact our country. Lord, we've got people that are desirous to go to other places in the world to make an impact. God, help us to do that. But Lord, in order for it to happen, we've got to rely on you. And God, I pray that in reliance on you, we'll stay content in what you've called us to do. God, we want to thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, absolutely, we're no better than anybody else. Absolutely, we don't deserve it. But hallelujah, you're doing it for us. And God, I just pray that you'll help the leadership to continue to follow after your leadership. Lord, you'll have the leadership to continue to follow after your will. But God, most of all, we pray that your power will be upon us as we uh, carry on into this endeavor. God, bless this place. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Brother Buchanan, where did he go? Hey, there he is. <laughs> Close your eyes up here. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. Go ahead, brother. All right. Um, I'll just make a, a quick announcement. Uh, first of all, I will say that when we come to church, we come in the house of God. We don't come to hear a person or a personality. We come to hear the Word of God. And I believe Brother Chris did a great job of presenting the Word of God. Amen. And I'll make an announcement. I want you to buy your ticket to the banquet. Uh, it's not this Saturday, but the next Saturday. I'm going to give you three reasons why you need to buy your ticket. How many? Three, three reasons. Okay, first of all, um, we're using this to determine if you're going to have food. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be going to a banquet and see everybody else eating around me because I didn't buy a ticket, okay? So we want food. Also, the lady that's out there selling, selling those tickets for $1, she's the one who's responsible to get the food. So she's getting a little gray hairs because you're not buying tickets, okay? So we need to make sure we take care of her. And finally, um, if you ever, you ever start telling somebody a story and you say, oh, you know what, you just had to be there. You ever done that? Okay, this is going to be one of those, you, you just had to be there moments for Temple Baptist Church, okay? So wh wh whether it's, you know, I don't want a food or whatever, I promise you, this is one of those things that you're going to want to be there. This is probably going to be the greatest miracle that Temple Baptist has ever seen, and it's going to happen that night. So make sure you're going to be there. So if you're going to buy a ticket, say amen. amen. All right, you're, uh, you're uh, good to go. See you, bye. <laughs>